Hello, and welcome to the Dreamviews Live podcast, episode number eight. I am your host, Dale Marek. Today's interview is with two amazing gentlemen that I am honored to call friends of mine, Ryan Shook and Amir Durak of Julian K. I was able to sit down with them right before they left for a few European shows a couple weeks ago. The interview is quite long, so I'm going to break it up into two episodes. Before we get started on part one of the interview, here's a song off their latest album, California Noir, Chapter One, with the song Photo Voltaire. I am Ryan Shuck, and I sing and play guitar. Very nice. First, uh, easy question of the night. What's the last song you listened to in the car? <laughs> mm. um, I have to look at my Spotify. Let's see. Well, of course, our music doesn't count, right? Right, no, it can't be Julian. Because... We're rehearsing right now. Yeah, so it's not an ego thing. It's yeah. just that we have to listen to our shit to, to relearn it and, and make sure that it's in RAM, you know, our mental RAM. Oh, God. boy, what is the last one? Spotify, not Apple Music? 
No. Yeah, I don't like it. You know, we can uh, chat about that for a second. I'm going to think about my song, but I, I'm a critical listener, obviously doing all the you know, producing, mixing, and all that crap. Um, I actually compared the audio. Oh, really? Uh, with the high-quality Spotify, the high-quality Apple, and Spotify sounds better for for that type of stuff, in, unless you go to that higher level of playback, right? But Spotify works sounds better. better. Works better too. And I like the way it all kind of works, you know, the playlists and the sharing stuff. And I love being able to share our playlists. Yeah. It, it saves our butt. I mean, Amir can be in his in his office just putting together a set for Milan and a set for London and then share it with me, Benny, and Alex and no one else can see it, you know what I mean? And it also, I always imagine it could be pretty fun, you know, if we were to make one public, like, this, right. these are the songs that we're considering for this next tour. You know, it's, there's so many fun things you can do with it. But by the way, I found the last song. Well, I know, like, on the last tour, everybody kept asking, like, they wanted your set list paper. And I'm like, yeah. they don't have one. We, didn't, we didn't print set lists on this last tour. <laughs> the first time ever. That we didn't print. I printed some really cool ones, um, but I didn't hand them out and didn't give them to the band. And we ended up just because now we all have iPads and stuff right. with like what we're doing and notes on it and stuff. So I just somebody asked me the other day, like, what what what's on your iPad up there? And I was like, well, there's I have lyrics that I that I have trouble remembering. I have notes for what songs like there's parts of songs where I need to know. You know, because the action's happening, right. and so I can have a little, I can have a little kind of a notepad of what what, what I need to do, different things I need to pay attention to, and um, you know, the bigger bands they have teleprompters down below, the, the screens, oh. the monitors down below, like STP, Corn, all these, you know, Lincoln Park, they have, it, you know, these monitors down there are not even really monitors; they have in ears, oh. they, they have big screens, so they have their notes rolling up the screen in real time, but. We kind of figured out the poor man's way, and that's just to have a have a, a little attachment on the side and have your your iPad. Sure. But I, I figured out the last song that I listened to in my car. Okay. Spent the day in bed by Morrissey. Oh. And I, I'm completely having like a Morrissey thing right now. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, it's late because I know everyone else has already had that, but I'm just discovering how amazing his lyrics are. I mean, holy shit! What a good lyric! What a good lyricist! What a good storyteller! Well, isn't that what? Isn't that what's great about like Spotify or Apple Music, or whatever it is, or streaming in general? Is because not everybody can afford to buy like fifty albums all the time. But yeah. as soon as I hear something new, I go straight to download yeah. their latest stuff. And yeah, or I start a radio station off the off the off the uh, the the song or the artist or whatever it is, and it's just and I can go back in my cars, or sometimes I'll go back and study the album. You know, because then I'm trapped in my fucking car here in LA. Some of the artists now, you can it gives you the lyrics too. Yeah, <laughs> I love Which, that. That's really cool. I, I think. That. I wish that was that more was there. Yeah, I don't see it enough. Mine, mine is kind of a weird, obscure one, of course, um, because when I'm out shopping for vinyl, sometimes I come across things, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> And I knew the band, and I remember them from the, the like late 80s, 90s, and I was like, hmm, wonder if this is any good. So I literally looked it up on Spotify and listened to it, and then I bought it. It was <clears throat> By God 20, a song called America. It's kind of a 90s kind of industrial dance kind That's of thing, a, which, you know. I think you just described why 
vinyl is doing so well. You, you described the purchase process. Like the, the you, you, you literally it. checked it out yeah. and then you're like, oh, this is fucking good. And then you went and bought it on vinyl, which yeah. is actually That's really cool. Really hard to find. So yeah. Yeah. stumbled on so you it. would never be able to stumble on it right if it wasn't for Spotify and, no, no, and no, be able no. to check it out it, and... well it was the other way around I stumbled on it in the store and then I had no way to listen to it mm. so I was trying to figure mm. out what it was because I knew the artist and mm. I remember liking them but I didn't remember mm. I don't have you didn't want to make that commitment yet though until you could no. kind of check it yeah, out yeah I wanted to hear yeah. it and go like is this something cool that might give me some inspiration for Harmonic Disruptor mm. and it was so unless it I was a release, uh, first release, then you probably wouldn't have got it. Yeah. Then what? Unless if the, unless the record was a, or album was a first release, I'm sure you would probably got it. Mm. I know you yeah. said you like the first versions. Yeah, the first pressings are always the best sounding, and yeah, usually the most coveted. Yeah. So on top of the streaming stuff, um, since that's kind of the way the music industry is is going, um, do you think the album in general is dead and everything's going to go to No, 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 we've proven otherwise. Uh, Amir had a, an awesome, and you know, I'll, I'll let him explain it, but um, we considered when we were starting California Noir, is this just like three songs, and we even put out three songs as kind of a tester, because we kind of, we were on the cusp of doing something different with Julian K, reinventing our model and thinking differently, and exercising extreme ownership, which I didn't even know we were doing at the time. But now that I, now that I read the book, I'm kind of like, Oh, that shit works. Uh, We can get into that later. But, um, we were very much starting to, Amir and I realized we're starting to realize that we had to just fucking make our own decisions and do what we want to do and own it top to bottom. And if it fails, then fuck us. And if, if it wins, then congratulations to, to us. And Amir put his foot down and he goes, no, fans like an album. That's something to get excited about. Just a song is not that exciting. You're not really making a you're not making a statement. And I started to think of it in a similar way, like a fashion line. So I started considering collections. Oh, we're coming out with a collection. And this is just our two our brains working together but thinking a little differently. And uh, that's how the California Noir collection the double, the double disc kind right. of the entire thought process changed. And that was because of Amir's sort of like decision to make that a precedent in the band and, and I'll let him take over, but we will break our rule too. We will not keep doing the same thing. We'll do different stuff, but we love I'll, contradiction. Yeah. I mean, I know I do, you know, so a lot of times like, you know, our titles or everything contradicts everything. I think for us, we always like death to analog. I mean, it's the initial thought was just exactly that because I saw the kind of that, that, that was coming, you know? So there's this immediate sort of response to that, that it's like the death of, of analog. Um, but thematically you wanted violence. Yeah, but yeah, but there was a whole lot of. I remember him saying, "He goes, I want this to be fucking violent," and I'm awful cool. And then he came up with death (laughs) analog, and I was like, "You just like killed our partner analog." (laughs) That's really cool, you know. And the thing is, you know, even till now, it's everything we do is a conglomeration of analog and digital, right? But the other thing was, you know, I, I looked up the word analog and. You know, was also realizing that you know it means to be similar or the analogous or, or a copy of right. So the idea was not to be a copy of 
or similar to or that right. you know so to me I was like whoa this is actually really cool because yes there is this sort of violent thing yes there's this sort of timely thing that's that's really occurring in the world that we live in right but at the same time my underlying thought is that we wanted to be different right so it's you know cutting the ties of all these things that are similar and and the same and you know for us to kind of go our own way and funny enough we've been doing that in so many other ways like what he was saying um, it sort of set the tone from the very beginning I think even though we didn't know it right. you know so I think it ended up being a very cool thing in, it, in the long run luckily it <laughs> seems to kind of have defined um, our departure from orgy and the sound of Julian Kay and it was one of those it's become it's funny for us we were fighting so hard to get that album out we were in sorts, all sorts of complicated business situations mm -hmm. that wouldn't allow us to kind of just move forward like a normal van. And I think to us, it felt like this slow, long slogging process. But I think that when it came out, we actually sold a decent amount of albums and, um, on Metropolis records. And I think for our fans, we're, we're sort of going back and realizing that this was a seminal album. You know, the, they really fucking like this. And with harmonic disruptor, our new album, I think Amir correctly recognized that we we should go back and hit hard on that and recapture what made us special, and uh, I think that's been a, a, a really really fun thing to explore. I want to I want to circle back to the initial question because I know we kind of went off on a tangent. Okay. But the whole <laughs> the whole album thing, you know, I don't think it works for everybody. Uh, right. I think for us it was that. You know, in that period when we were getting ready to do the California Noir stuff, um, you know, everybody was just talking like, oh, you know, we're going to do an EP. You can't even do an album. Yeah, like, you what can't even do an album. Yeah. You know, we're just going to release a single every month and we're going to do this and that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, one thing that we always do too, and like you say, that we're always very connected to our fans, a lot of times I just ask. Yeah. You know, I'll just make a post, yep. not make a big deal out of it. It's not like a survey or anything, but I'll just post up and just see what people, how they go off on it, you know? And so I'm, I'm pretty sure I asked like our fans, like what, you know, what do you guys think? You know, do you like, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like the, you know, just chime in and, and, you know, really the bulk of our fans, pretty much all of them really said they like albums every now and then a question that one of us asks will literally almost go it kind of goes viral like we'll we'll ask a question every now and then either i'll do it or amir will do it post something and it will get it, it's that 500 to you know 600 right. response question and we look at each other we'll call each other and we'll go uh you hit a nerve like <laughs> that was you know and we know that that's a directional now we know we're like that that fucking got people to they really have an opinion and then that kind of helps guide us. Sure. The, the, the thing with that album, though, is like, you know, we had, we had a few songs ready and we thought, you know, why not just test the waters and just kind of see what kind of reaction we get to this? Because obviously it, it is a little bit different um, than some of the stuff that we were doing previously. And so the thought was, let's just release a few songs. It's not really an EP. It's just a few songs just to kind of seed the ground you know you're talking about California Noir yeah the, yeah. the three songs yeah. that we initially let out um, 
I personally now, of course, when I went back to it, I'm like, you know, we actually shouldn't have done it that way. We probably should have just started to, you know, but we didn't know yet. We were going to start making physical things and build a whole thing around it. So that was sort of our first try to see like, and then we thought, yeah, this was, we could have done this better. And that's when he started pushing for the, you know, the crowdfunding stuff. And Fu and I were kind of pretty against it just because we'd seen so many disastrous campaigns. And I just was like, it it has nothing to do with like the asking for money or whatever, you know, that most people get really hung up on a lot of that. Um, It's just that I just didn't see, I was just trying to figure out how we could do it and make it cool. And I couldn't see that yet. And it wasn't until we actually tried to do it and that no one ever saw and failed and failed mm-hmm. that I instantly knew that like, okay, I get it now. Like we're, here we are, we're trying to do it just like everybody else. Totally wrong. That's not, that's totally not us. We all got but there is, the room. But there is oh probably a way we can do this. I don't know what it is, but we actually just sort of stumbled into it. Yeah. Because I had been filming some some stuff around town, really. I had gotten a new camera. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just kind of going around filming stuff in this high contrast black and white, like the oil derricks and the beach and like just things that were California. But, you know, I didn't even realize what I was doing until he saw it. And then he's like, dude, this is like... And then we started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? This... This is something now it's clicking in my head. This is, it's almost like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to make a movie trailer. And I actually helped write the script, which I don't usually do that kind of stuff, <laughs> but it was just, it just came kind of flooding in. This is how we need to present it. And then he did the voiceover and, you know, took it to another level. And then we kind of put this thing together with some of the music. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is like, it excited this, us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got excited about it. And we thought, well, this I haven't really seen a band do something like this. This is almost like presenting a movie. Where we're not or, in the fucking Yeah, we're not video. even in it. Right. I mean, you there's know? a couple shots of us or yeah. whatever, but they're just, you know, yeah. like behind the scenes things. But for the most part, it was really just kind of showing, giving people the feeling of what we're trying to do with the music visually and pa- passionately narrating. Right. Uh, a, a mini video shot organically by the band mem- like one, one of the band members that's a fucking idea right there yeah you know, we hadn't seen anything like that I still haven't seen anything like that you know yeah, where I just don't <laughs> see people taking the time to to actually try to do more than just sitting there and you know I don't understand why you know we see this all the time with bands and some of them are friends too and you know they just they get on the camera and they just start talking about it and it's just like yeah, I don't know. We, we've got it to a point now where we really sit down and we fucking write like a commercial. Right. Yeah, you know, but we commercial. try to write something yeah. fucking cool though. Like if it doesn't excite me in a mirror, it doesn't. It doesn't get released. You know, we got done with Harmonic Disruptor. I think we both looked at each other and we were like, "People are going to shit themselves." And all the comments um, on on YouTube and everything is like. This band set out to get their their fans excited. They succeeded very, very well. We are fucking going crazy. And I'm sitting there going like, that's exactly what we wanted to do. So, of course, we now want we, to excite you. We, we've created, you know, a precedent for ourselves now because now every Raise time we do it, now we have to always kind of like <laughs> figure out some thing, you know. And so like for, for Mannequin Eyes or whatever, you know, I ended up, a lot of things for me and like the videos and stuff, I end up finding like, gear or some something 
that sort of sets it off for me. And then I start thinking like, well, what if this is kind of like a mission impossible thing where this is old tape recorder, we turn it on. Of course it's Ryan, but you know, and we did that. And then we did the, he had this idea to go to the CD manufacturing place where we would film, you know, cut in different, I don't know. We just stumble across this stuff. It's not some, right. most of the time, it's not anything that we're like really premeditating. Yeah. California Noir <clears throat> video was not premeditated. Yeah. We went out, I went out to the desert and I put a, I made an iPhone pin map of all that. I, I discovered the Salton Sea and I'm like, oh, this is strangely like where I'm from. And I'm like, this is California Noir. This is the intro trip. So sent it to the guys. The guys were like, this is just on faith, by the way. Because neither one of us are professional directors. Right. But we put, we strung this thing together with all these locations and we just went out there guerrilla style and we just made it up. Same with Mannequin Eyes. He had a concept, he had a bunch of tools and props, if you will. And we had our girls um, who could make a character. And he, he just bought props for like a month or two. He was well, coming up with shit. Actually, you know? it was longer than that. I was actually buying some of these props for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, I sure. Didn't, sure. But I, I didn't, didn't know what it was going to be. But it turned to. into like, we're doing this video, and then he's like on eBay, like buying masks yeah. and doing this. It got, it got real. <laughs> right. and, and, and then we stumble into like these concepts, and it turns out really, really cool. It turned, we're actually a pretty good directing and producing and writing duo um, of video. It's, it, it, it's something that I find that I enjoy very, very much. I'm very surprised because I would, I hated it in Orgy. I hated doing videos and any, anything else was in But all those nightmare. ideas came from the band too, yeah. initially. Yeah. Like the initial ideas and even a lot of the sort of overseeing and... Oh, there's you know, shots. There's shots there's a lot that are coming from us holding the camera. You know, it's like we're that band involved. Too. We've we're always that involved. kind of been involved. But, so, you guys feed off each other and that's what makes you guys, you know... Have been so successful well, he, for so long, you know. He said something super important, um, and I mentioned this. I, I write an article for Control uh, Magazine, Control Forever, and it's a indie music. I'm like the official indie music staff writer, and they made a cool graphic of me with my feet up on the on yeah. the desk, and it's called the first one's called Crowd Surfing Your Way Out of Hell. I'm super. Um, 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 I emphasize that. All I'm talking about and all we're talking about, he just said this, is this is what works for us. You know what I mean? We're just doing, I'm, we're going to tell you on this podcast and in my article and anything we do, this is just for what worked for us. I right. mean, you might be somebody who's cranking out singles and you're just killing it. More power to you, bro. Sure. You know, you might be just scoring movies and doing great, but we, we are learning very, very much what our fans want. And that's the trick is you got to figure out what your core fans want and you have to make it align with what you want. Then you've got, then you've got the path. And so the album thing sort of fits, you know, because sure. we have these, these concepts and I just don't think that you can wait for us to drop an EP. <laughs> oh yeah, Because we will, we will break our own rule. Yeah. That's another but, rule though. But I feel, <clears throat> I feel like that you can't really give people this sort of collection you know it's just like if you give them a couple songs they kind of get it it's like if they had only gotten california noir she's a pretender and no you can't from the original album mm. you would never really get the entire feeling of what we were trying to do on the album right right so and even as far as just literally physically having the cd with the artwork and everything else that it goes to another level right um so i feel like 
I feel like the album thing, well, obviously for us, it's not dead. We've been kind of honing what that is, I think. Um, I feel that, you know, the classic album, I guess, you know, probably because I am older and I did grow up on vinyl and I'm obviously listening to records again. But I, I actually think there's a lot to the older sort of vinyl, you know, albums that had, you know, a lot of most of the best albums that you probably have you probably don't even think about it, but you look at the records and a lot of times there's seven songs, eight songs, nine songs, maybe there's 10, maybe there's 12 or more if it's like a punk record or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But most classic records, whether they be electronic or rock or anything, they typically always had like this, you know, eight to 10 songs at most. And I feel like that is actually a sweet spot for albums. I feel like when the digital world came in, it just became like, became 12 songs. We can have, you know, 67 songs on our CD, you know? And so everybody thinks, well, we have to do it. And the record labels love to push for that because they want to have all this, you know, more content, the better. They don't really give a shit if there's only like one good song, right? We care that every song is good, which is the way it used to be. Right. I guess you, we're not a pop band. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> all the cool bands that you loved, you know, for the most part, you put the record on from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good, but there weren't that many songs. Right. Go home and count how many songs are on those albums. You know, not, I mean, like Led Zeppelin. How much fits on you know? an album, right? It's huh? like you can only fit so much on an well, analog yeah. album, there's, right? There's definitely there's that. real restrictions. Yeah, there's cool. actual technical restrictions. But a lot of times they put more or they made it a double record or whatever. Hmm. But to me, it's like I feel like there's a sweet spot of how many good songs you really only need to make an album, you right. know, um, beyond an EP. Like I feel like anything beyond seven is an album. You know, anything below that really is kind of an EP, you know. So somewhere in the 7 to 10 range, I feel like, is really what is needed for an album. And that's why I thought for this new album, um, you know, we're really just planning to have eight. The other thing is that we can, it helps us turn it around quicker. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you're not doing 14 and 15 songs, it takes longer to mix, it takes longer to write them, it takes longer to record them, right? If we make it just a little shorter, we can have another record out sooner and keep, you know, keep feeding the, the beast, so to speak, you know, because people consume things very quickly now, right? And that's why the whole single EP thing, you know, works so well because that they can do this like quick turnaround. So I, for us, I found something sort of in the middle of that, right? Where it's it's a, a little shorter album, but it's very focused and it's very. Hopefully every song is like, you know, it might not be a single or whatever, but... But it makes you picky. Yeah, but it also... We have to choose well. Yeah. And be and be critical. Yeah. So I, I think for us, that's sort of working. Um, and we are going to start doing vinyl, you know, for the new album. This will be the first album we'll be pressing on our own. Because we did the first album with Metropolis, but um, this will be the first album we'll be doing on our own. So... I think I think that's sort of the sweet spot, and I think that's why it works. It's like it allows us to have this thing, and we've been fortunate that our I think our fans and people, you know, seem to be into it. And I mean, funny enough, we we still constantly sell stuff every single day, you know. So there's new people that are finding out about us from touring and yeah. from word of mouth or whatever, and. Um, you know, I don't really see us changing anything at the moment. You know, is as even though CDs don't sell anymore, we still sell them. We still sell them. We sell them every day. 
So well, that's fine with me. I love that <coughs> an album because it's nice to be able to do a theme, and then you can do a different theme for the next one, and then yeah. And plus, you put a lot of marketing, a lot of money into like an album. If you just seems like there'll be a lot more money if you keep doing that to every single instead of pushing it towards. Well, and then of course we broke the rules <laughs> with the time capsule. You know, right, it's just exactly. a giant, you know, sixty-four <laughs> track. Our best selling for CD, it's our it's our biggest campaign. Like I mean, we've sold. It's like really been one of the best sellers we've ever had, making the, you know making it into a book and all this crazy stuff. So, you know, we just we, things just we we are pretty uh, liquid, I guess you would say, right? Um, as far as like how we move, you know, we strike and move. You know, <laughs> what come what comes in, you know. It, things happen for a reason and we kind of just move on them if it makes sense you know sure. well that kind of leads into another question i had as far as um what are some of the benefits or some of the things you've noticed by having your own studio because you can do a lot of that stuff on your own or you do do it all on your own and uh, like that it's, 64 track album would have been difficult if you actually had to go to oh of course yeah we couldn't yeah would have been a, that would have been a million dollar endeavor I mean, the beauty of, of the 64-track album is that, you know, these are things that we have been recording on our own since the beginning of the band. You know, there's no way we could have just gone in and made 64 songs, sure. you know, I mean, it would have been very difficult, but this is all stuff that was in various shapes of being done, you know, and demos that were done and live things that were already done, and you know, but there were other new songs that never got finished. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, if we had to go into a studio and do all this but I mean we we had we had started that sort of concept in Orgy I mean from the very beginning of Orgy when we got signed the first thing we bought was studio equipment so I mean we've been doing this all along with that mindset you know that we would always we've always kind of since then recorded you know guerrilla style for our own projects I mean when I work with other bands I a lot of times go to studios and do like real recording that's not everything's not programmed and whatever um but for us the the programming way works and yes it gives us the ability to you know we don't have a clock ticking for one but that's also a bad thing because because we, we have, don't have a clock ticking yeah because we don't have a clock ticking <laughs> yeah. so it's like well you we didn't get that you know well yeah. i guess we'll get back to that in a month you yeah. know it's like yeah. But part of that sometimes is good, though, because yeah. sometimes you can get away from stuff and then you come back. It makes it a lot easier to go, oh, I know what we need to do now, I right? Because you get it out of your head. So I think overall it's pretty good. I think during We're Here With You, um, we broke the orgy work mentality. And I think that had a lot to do with working with Chester Bennington. Um, you know, that, that guy executed he fucking worked like this idea of, you know, spending, you know, six months on a song, by the way, sometimes some songs cost six months. They do. It, it just takes a long time. But Amir did some fun stuff on, well, not fun at the time, um, as a producer on we're here with you and time management and getting stuff done and, and not allowing me as a singer to wallow in, Optionville and right. you know anxiety land and you know just just you know experiments like just hey this song's been sitting here for you know a couple weeks get it done tonight write the whole fucking the entire vocal part get it done breakfast in Berlin and he and he comes with some ideas of of different bands that have like nonsense lyrics and they're great you know underworld all this kind of stuff where they're not saying shit it's just repeating 
a, a word and like a concept over and over and over, but I'm like, it's very compelling. And I think we experimented a lot with getting shit done and being productive and sort of combating um, the way we worked in orgy, which was super inefficient. Yeah. It was not, um, it was not results oriented. Um, there was no discipline. Um, it was just a lot of partying, a lot of, you know, it was basically music through drug use and, 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 and by the way, wouldn't trade it for the world. You not saying anything, not a, we did lots of fucking amazing stuff, but in a modern time, in a modern world, you have to execute, you have to get shit done. And I think by the time we got out of, we're here with you and dead by sunrise out of ashes, working with a guy like Chester, who would just come out here and handwrite a whole thing of lyrics and then come back in and sing it four different ways. How do you think that makes me feel as a singer? I have to sit next to Chester Bennington and fucking listen to that guy fucking do his thing and work. No pressure. And, and, and believe me. We he, called him old golden throat. Yeah, it was golden throat. <laughs> but but more, than, more than his raw skill, um, he actually is, he works his ass off or he worked his ass off. And that is not to say that we didn't immediately stop working and then go play Call of Duty for four hours. And I mean, so it's just, we're very similar. But he definitely, somewhere along the line, he developed a better work ethic than me. He developed a better focus than me. Maybe it's the Lincoln Park work system. Maybe it's because, you know, those guys are, they're badass. Um, they obviously have some badass systems. You know, Amir's got a really good work ethic. Um, I probably do, but I'm still a little crazy. But somewhere along the line there, through those experiences, we broke the orgy model. And we came into the new Julian K model, and that is execution get it done, you know, really get a song up, up on the board and finished. And that's how we can do something like harmonic disruptor. We can, we've only got together. I probably, I, I would say there's probably 50, 60 hours max together. And we've got 14 listenable ideas with vocals and all sorts of shit. Maybe one song is actually kind of close to done, but that's, that's only, it's a few sessions. There's, yeah. We, we've both been working on stuff uh, on our own. But there's an important thing about um, having the studios, and I guess that's what started in, in Orgy, is that it not so much, yes, there's the time factor involved, but for me, and I know in this band, for me to continue to kind of drive what we do, I have to have time to experiment. It's like, a, yeah. you know, I'm like, yeah. a, it's like scientific stuff. Yeah. But with toys, yeah, sure, right. You have to tinker, yeah. I have to. <laughs> I have to have time to tinker. You know, sometimes it's on my own. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's with the band. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to have time to be able to experiment and not be under some sort of pressure of. You know, the pressure can be good because good things come out of pressure too. Um, but sometimes you just need time to let things sort of organically happen when they need to happen. And I think that in Orgy, that's kind of what happened because, you know, we were creating a new sound and, you know, had we really done that all very conventionally, I don't know how that would have happened because a lot of it really just sort of fell into place we had in to, different timelines. Yeah. You know, we had so, to fuck around and have time and yeah. I, so I, that's I agree. the same thing that, yeah. that happens with our studios. You know, I, a lot of times... I, these ideas come out of my tinkering, you know, and then something happens, you know, that would not happen if I didn't have my studio, right? Because sure. if I can't wake up in the middle of the night or whatever, if I've got some crazy idea, I mean, where am I going to go? 
you know. Well, is, there a, is there a sound or something you have you've had in your head for years that you haven't been able to get out or duplicate yet? Or no, they've all been they've all come out. Okay. <laughs> you know, I had I, I think that probably happened before orgy because I think there was a sound that I was trying to achieve for many years with many different things that I was doing. And orgy sort of culminated that idea of what I always wanted, like the kind of band I always wanted to be in. Um, but after that, I kind of learned how to how to get that, you know, for whoever I'm working with, whether it's my band or another band. And I've learned over the years too, like he was saying, how to push things with people because. I'm typically, actually, believe it or not, a pretty shy person. I'm, I'm very introverted. And so to be a producer, you know, you kind of have to be not only a psychologist, but you, you do have to push people, sure. which, you know, for an introvert is not super easy. Um, and I'm also, you know the person, though, though. Yeah, but I mean, I'm <laughs> super insecure. I'm an introvert, all these things. But, you know, at the same time, I have to... I, I, I believe in my abilities and I know I, I at least had a, a pretty decent track record that I feel now I feel a lot more confident over the years that I can help get things where they need to go and like Ryan always calls me a force multiplier which I like that because I'm, I'm not necessarily always the guy that's going to come up with the idea or the guy you know but I will help you make it better whatever it is right so that's really what a producer is supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be a force multiplier. But somebody has to be the last word, too. So, you know, you have to learn all these things and kind of push push in the right way, which doesn't always happen. <laughs> well, I think you have a name for your autobiography one day now. <laughs> What's that? Force multiplier. Force multiplier. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's funny. Well, very good. Um, so I know style is very important to you guys. So do you guys think of a style first and then the music, or the music Sometimes. and then the style? Sometimes. Yeah, because... In uh, Orgy, we absolutely have yeah. a concept of what this band was going to look like. Um, I was a hairdresser uh, at the time, successful hairdresser. So it was like a, you know, I made a lot of money and did, did my thing. But I was also a musician, and we came from the corn era. And uh, all of us like Depeche Mode and Duran Duran and New Order and, and all the heavy stuff too. And so um, that was one of those rare occasions where you get a guy like Jay Gordon, Ryan Shuck, and Amir Duroc, who all were all down with like doing something weird. <laughs> you know, we're all down with going like, you know, black, tall, uh, you know, eyeliner, lipstick. Like we wanted to look like androids from Blade Runner. You know, and uh, I, I'd say that that definitely influenced the music. You know, I mean, there was a time we had to get Bobby and Paige, you know, and everyone else involved um, on board with what we were doing because we were sort of putting a look forward. You right. know, um, that was a huge influence on the music. Julian Kay is um, we weave in and out of that for sure. Um, fashion is a big, big deal. For a while, we kind of became we kind of became unfashion. I think because we had we were kind of coming off of the orgy thing and we, you know, death, the analog still definitely had a heavy, 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 like dark fashion Sado vibe, which coincidentally we're getting back into very, very much. Um, and then we went through a, a period with we're here with you and we had dead by sunrise and we toured the world with both bands. And I think we kind of, I think we kind of dressed down a little bit and loosened up a little bit, maybe to shake that, 
to shake that. I mean, we focused on the songs. And then I think now we've come back around to realizing that the fashion, look, the music, um, all of this is, it, to us, it's it's insanely important. You know, the, the Amir comes in with blue lipstick and his hair looking like Robert Smith from The Cure. And I was just like, yes, please. You know, I'll take that. Like, I, I feel like doing some new shit now. I want to play new music. But I, I look for that. I love that kind of shit. And... Uh, you know, we're at a point now, I think where we're at a really happy area of, you know, we know we, we, we need to bring it on a look. We need to come up with something new and fun and fresh. Um, our fans love it. Um, we love it. Um, and the music is, is certainly influences it and is influenced by it. Funny thing is, is I have this thing called the Style Council that has to do with the music, though, mm -hmm. too. But you so notice the, the notice the verbiage. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I create style councils for whatever I'm working on, you know, and whether it's us or another band, I'll go through or I'll have the other band that I'm working with give me their style council. I'll say, like, what is it that you guys are into? Like, give me an idea of what you're thinking for the album. And But for us, I usually have, like, I'll go through and, you know, obviously being a DJ or whatever, I have so much music, you know, and I'll go through and whether it's records I'm buying or whatever and say like, there's something in this, you know, I, we don't want to copy it. It's just oh, like, something influential. Though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, cool. it's going to be an influence. It's going to be something that gets thrown in the melting pot. Just, you know, keep it in the back of your mind when we're doing all this to take something from that, you know, and that's how, you know, that's how I think how you create uh, you know, new and unique things is, you know, just like any kind of art, right? You, you're, you're borrowing, you're always borrowing from somebody, True. you know, but it's how you take that and throw it in and how do you mix it all up and make something new out of it is the, is the important part of it to me. So I try to help that, you know, I that. Think it, sometimes I think we it, do it visually too. Yeah. Cause I think know, in terms of collections and I think of you know, I create, I create, I create flow charts and shit for our business and all. I mean, it's, it's literally corporate shit, but when, when you look at things like I'll get a style cancel and, and, and I'll start to look at some of the bands and I'll listen to them and then I start to see like a collection, <laughs> you know, of clothing. And then I, and then I, of course I visualize things in, 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 in blocks and shapes and lines and relationships and all this kind of stuff. So, um, I think it definitely, um, influences the way we, we dress and act and look and talk and the language we use and the lyrics we write and the, you know, the song names we come up with and the, and the, and the sounds he'll bring to the table. Sometimes he'll bring sounds to the table that are, that they define the album. There you go. Okay. Well, that's what Amir's doing. All right. <laughs> we got to, you know, it's fall in line with that, but, um, that's, it's just all to help. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. it's like in my head, I know, I don't know what it's going to sound like cause I want it to be something that we haven't done, you know, but I'll kind of point away. You know, and then little by little, it could change a lot. You know, it might not be even what I originally thought, but it'll be, if it changes, it'll be better. <laughs> and that's what I want, you know, something compelling. Well, whatever. Like they say about writing, if you like have writer's block or something, just start writing something. Yes. And then at least yes. you can branch off from there. And, and that's you know. exactly what I do. You know, it's just like, just to, you got to get it, got to get going somewhere, you know. I broke the block by screaming. Oh. I literally just said, you know, we're doing something new on this album. You know, what if I could scream? And so I spent a day, and now I can now I can scream really cool. 
and I, and I have this whole new thing that fans will never expect. And it's allowed me now an entire new vocal approach. But, you know, that wouldn't happen if you didn't just put one foot in front of the other, walk in the studio, and fucking do something uncomfortable. Right? Because this shit is uncomfortable. Right. You sing a new way. You play guitar a new way. You know, people laughed at the way our guitar sounded in Orgy. They thought they sounded like broken basses. You know, and they were like, oh, "I guess someone you guys think you're from Europe, you know, all this kind of stuff." Because the, because yeah, there, was, there were a lot of people that were quite, quite close to us that were yeah. just like, "What the fuck are you guys yeah. thinking? What are you doing?" Yeah, we Seriously. hate you. We hate you. And I, had, and I and I knew right at that moment. I'm like, exactly. "We win." <laughs> exactly. You're and she and she was like getting so mad about it, you know, and it was like. I'm like, you're, you're proving that we're doing exactly what I think we should be doing by your reaction. I've polarized you now, <laughs> you know, it's like, and well, we were right. Honestly, it worked. It worked, <laughs> you know, so sometimes you got to fight for it though. Cause a lot of people, you know, some stuff you don't have to, I think, you know, most people have heard what we're doing for the new album. Everybody's all like, uh, like this, like right away, you know, it's not, not something that anybody's like thrown by because I feel like what we're doing is reincorporating what I believe that we are probably the best at. You know, I know we can do a lot of different things and we can do it pretty well, but I think, you know, when it really comes down to what we're really known for, what our core fans like, I think we need to make sure that that's, that we kind of almost reclaim that again sure. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. And that was sort of the idea for it. And, the title and everything. song Dossier off their latest album California Noir Chapter 2. The band is about to head out on tour again, so check out their website or social media accounts 
to find out the closest show to you. Be sure to join us next week to hear the conclusion of the interview. Definitely don't want to miss it. If you want to leave any comments or suggestions, please visit dreamviewslive.com and drop me a line. And also don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Cheers.